Welcome to Like an Event Boss, your weekly events empowerment podcast with Carrie Abernathy and Juliet Tripp. Okay, welcome back to episode six of Like an Event Boss. We're so happy you're here. Today we are talking about going virtual. I'm going to try my hardest not to use the P word. We'll see, set your timers now and see how long it takes for me to say that word. Yeah, thanks. You know it. We all know it. It was in France. Um, So we're talking about virtual events. And, you know, this last 12 months has been an absolute killer of a learning curve. Um, It's important to address that virtual events are not new. They have not been born out of the COVID era. They've been around in some format for some time, but us as event profs have certainly had to learn the ropes, try new things and just make shit happen online um, whilst dearly missing those live experiences. So yeah, so here we are talking about this topic, which we've all been kind of immersed in, I guess, for the last year. Um, Would you agree, Carrie, within your role and your experience with the virtual world? Oh, yeah. Um, It's it's all been about baptism by fire, drinking from the water hose this year. Um, Again, if you've listened to any of the other episodes, you know that I'm not a tech person. I never adopted the hybrid model before. I never had to. None of the committees that I worked for or members or anything pushed for it. So this was, you know, and I regret that now that I didn't spend more time learning the tech, but um, it's all virtual all the time right now. And I hate it and I love it and everything in between. Oh, I resonate with that so much. I I I love the fact and I'm forever grateful for the fact that um it's keeping me employed, it's keeping me busy, but I just miss creating memories in person. Um, And that will forever be my stance. I just don't think that you can replace a live event experience at all. And I know there are, there will be listening some huge advocates for virtual events of which I am one, but I am very much team live events. Yeah, we can be hybrid too, right? Yeah. (laughs) Team live events when I need them, team virtual events when I need them. Like I can lean into it. I can be a cheerleader for either one. And you're right. It saved our asses this year. Let's be honest. Mm saved our asses. Um, But you know, you're right, like you cannot replace that in person experience, you cannot replace the connections that are made when you're physically in front of someone you just even even with video cameras and really good tech and great microphones, etc, etc. Like it's just hard to do. So it's been a I'm not gonna say the P word. It's it's been a shift. It's been a shift. It's been a move. Um, A move to virtual. Um, Yeah, and we have both been working in virtual events, well, since March 2020, since the world changed and went upside down, back to front and everything. So it's been, yeah, it's been new. And I think both of us can absolutely hold our hands up to not being tech experts. You've already said it once in this episode, and I would agree. Um, And I am very, very blessed to have an in-house production team where I work. Um, who are just incredible and they know this stuff. So I haven't had to learn probably as much as others, which has been a a blessing. Um, But I think now we're just, we're beyond just shifting to a virtual model, aren't we? Like they, they exist, they're here and we know about them. So this episode isn't about how can you turn an event into a virtual conference? Because 
there are experts that can talk to you about that. This is about, you know, the real life shit that's gone down in this time, the lessons, the learnings and everything in between. Um, so do you want to give me a bit of a rundown, Carrie, on like your first virtual event experience? Like when the world changed and your events turned online, like how was that move for you? Yeah, I got I got really lucky. Like I know I've heard of a lot of people in the events industry that had a, a live conference within like three, four, five weeks out that they had to shift somehow within three, four, five weeks to virtual. And I just applaud those people. I can't imagine what that would have been like. Um, in March, we kind of made the decision to, to go to cancel everything live and go virtual. We pushed our May conference to November to give ourselves more time. Like, thank goodness we had that, the ability to do that. Um, so we shifted to later in the year, knowing that we had to go through the cycle of vetting, learning, um, adapting, you know, to everything that we'd have to do. So I got, again, I got super, super lucky. I was in a place of privilege where I could really take some time. I vetted 30 different platforms. Wow. And at that point, like when you talk about having a producer on site, Juliet, I'm like sitting there like, God bless you. That's amazing. Like I didn't even realize that I needed a producer. I was like, I guess I'm going to be the producer. And then I was like, oh shit, no, I'm not. Um, so I didn't realize I'd need like a platform for this and a producer for this. And even though I've been in live events for 16 years, of course you need a producer. Um, but you just, you can't wrap your head around everything all at once. So I've kind of um, related this whole experience to like dating because when you first start dating, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, let's try this out. This guy's cute I'm, or girl's cute. I'm going to, you know, yeah, let's try it out. And you, you date. But then over time, you realize what works and what doesn't work. And that's exactly how this year went for me. Like I picked a few systems. I ended up going with one. It wasn't a perfect fit. But now I know exactly what I need you know, in the way of engagement, in the way of production, in the way of everything. So now I'm looking for my perfect fit. So I don't know how you feel about that analogy, but I was kind of in the dating phase all year long. I launched my live virtual event in November and gosh, I have a lot of takeaways that I can't wait to share. And I've, I've heard from a lot of other meeting planners who have gone through it this year that have been willing to share their experiences. I've heard a lot from them as well and have kept record along the way. So when we get there, I am ready to share, share, share. Wow. I love the analogy. I feel like I'm married to virtual events, but <laughs> want to go back to my first high school love. <laughs> it was a life event. You're in marriage counseling right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. We're going through a tough time. It's taking a lot of alcohol to get through it also. Yeah. That's the story for another so good. day. So good. So good. So good. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been different. Um, yeah, to kind of set the scene, my side, we were one of the businesses that just switched everything right away. And um, we actually live streamed our conferences previously and had done since um, 2018. So we actually, yeah, had sort of hybrid events set up anyway, which has been very helpful in understanding the model and understanding the possibilities with virtual but we are conferences generate revenue um we had targets and forecasts to meet which we were under pressure to meet so we had to perform and we had to scale our virtual events and keep the program running at pace to 
to generate uh, the contributions that were needed and to make sure that you know we were still an industry leader in in our field so the pressure was on to perform and i think when you have that pressure you just you just make it happen like you find a way you stay agile and also there's a point where you make decisions and you make decisions quickly because God, there have been so many demos. There still are. And you said you trialed loads of virtual platforms, which is really interesting. I trialed a few, but um, but really under the the watchful eye of our production team, who are the, the real experts. But they made a decision at some point, you know, we have to stick with it because we actually have to work. And we, we run about 20 virtual conferences last year. On top of that were smaller events, training courses, webinars and all sorts. So, you know, we didn't have time to be hopping between platforms um and just like make a decision you have I, I got to that point too i really did after we reviewed i think 30 ish um and they started to run together and I, you know i've got to be honest at the time like not one gave me every feature that i wanted um so you know we we finally went with one and we went into it like like a date, right? Like trying to be mm -hmm. as transparent as possible. Like, here's what you're going to get from our side. We're probably going to challenge you and push you to do other things. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, you know, we, we need their commitment to be like true partners with us in this. They're not just a vendor that we're hiring. It's like a true partnership. Yeah, I agree. You have to have that buy-in. You have to have that level of understanding as you do in a relationship, as you do with your virtual events. And it's getting that buy-in and it's getting everyone comfortable with this new world that we're living in. And I think there's been a lot of hand-holding across the way from, you know, not just within your event team and then your, um, your platform, it's your stakeholders, your sponsors, your speakers, like other people within the business, um, you know, different departments to ours, like getting our sales team on board so they knew how to sell, getting our editorial team on board so they knew how to influence our content, marketing, you know, director level, getting everyone well-versed because that's been a, a skill in itself, like communicating what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve too. Right. Yeah. And you yeah, train. you can only know so much. Yeah. You have to train your attendee all over again too. Oh, yeah. Still doing that. Still doing that. <laughs> My general go-to answer for everything is, have you tried Google Chrome? Yes. <laughs> thank you. Have you shut down your computer and restarted? <laughs> yeah. And are you on Google Chrome? Yeah. Have you got too many tabs open? <laughs> <laughs> are you plugged one. into Ethernet and have you turned your Wi-Fi off? <laughs> is anyone in your house on the Xbox or Netflix right now? Right? Just check. <laughs> So good. Oh my gosh, who knew we were going to be laughing yeah. about this This because I've we're, cried over it so many times the last year. Yeah. We're tech experts. Like we like try it now. If, if anyone at home listening is struggling with their internet, just turn your computer off, put it back on. I promise you nine times out of 10, it works. Exactly. Who needs an expert? That's great. So let's talk about some of these lessons and learnings. Like what's been tough for you what's been the hard stuff that you've had to go through mm. in the virtual world okay yeah I mean gosh I have a lot of takeaways um it has been hard engagement's been the hardest for me yes um making sure that they're still you're still the attendees still engaged that they are watching listening learning <laughs> what they need to um from an online virtual platform 
and making sure that they're they're happy that they're that they're sitting at home they're not eye rolling our stuff and mm-hmm. um and and doing it blindly right i can't see them i don't know if they're having fun <laughs> i don't know if they like the magician i hired um so that outside of the the tech and the learning curve like that's been a hard one for me and yeah, I'll let you kind of talk about it a little bit and then we'll go through like some of the other lessons I've learned from my virt- my my virtual events. Yeah, I love that. My events aren't very fun. So I don't really have any magic or um excitement. I mean, they're exciting in their own right, but they're chemicals regulations, right? It doesn't get as very glamorous. There's not that much you can do with that anyway. So I guess engagement's been really big for us as well, but just getting people on board and just getting people to understand that this is more than just a Zoom call that, you know, I wish people would just stop saying, oh, I'm interested in your webinar. But it's not a webinar. It's actually a three-day, you know, multi-time zone, on-demand and live virtual conference. (laughs) It's just a new, new way of, of learning for everyone. So I think communicating that and communicating the value um, is there now, but it definitely took some time. So that's been a learning curve. And just how to kind of how to adapt stuff, how to adapt content. Like we know now, we know that presentations have to be shorter. We know that your 45 minute keynote is now better if it's 10 minutes and all of that, but it takes time. And we didn't have time on our side. We had to make decisions. And I think we've been bold as a team and we just got shit done because we had to. So I guess that's a huge lesson. Um, for me as a takeaway of like, yeah, it was it was difficult. It was very, very difficult, but we just had to get on with it. So Carrie, can you tell me a little bit more about some lessons? You spoke about lessons before, you know, things that you've noted down. Tell me more. Tell us all more. I have learned so much, not just from me again, but just from talking it through with so many other planners in the events industry. So this is just a US thing for right now, but um the, the times for virtual, the best times for most time zones seem to be in the afternoon. So 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern, we found is, um, especially through the data through our platform, we found that that's when we have the attention of our attendees. I'm not sure why, but that just seems to be the time that they're able to give us. Maybe they're working in the morning, maybe they're on, you know, a West Coast or Hawaii time zone, but afternoon seemed to work best for people. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the same thing, Juliet. Yeah, we have that. So uh, I organize a lot of events for US audience also, um, but there are quite a lot of crossovers with our events. And we always get this point where it comes to, say, 2 p.m. UK time and you can tell, right, the East Coast are at their desks. We've got a few people coming in live. But yeah, I I think the afternoons are good. Um, Either you start really early and people have no choice but to engage and not get distracted by their emails or it's a strategic move to let them have their morning and then they log in after lunch. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Also, um, we're finding short bite-sized content, whether it's virtual live or on demand, like our attendees are loving 20 minutes or, or less. Um, yes. And our, our, 
one of our um, team leadership team members came back and said, you know, Salesforce just did this conference and it was in three hours and they fit in a ton of speakers and they were jamming everything into every minute and it was just bite size and go, go, go. And that's what they really liked because they were able to squeeze like three days into three hours and that's all they had to commit to. So there are definite commitment issues. We're back to relationships again, right? There are definitely yeah. commitment issues for audiences when it comes to virtual and their capacity to learn virtually. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think it's interesting seeing how different uh, different regions take stuff in and uh, interact in different ways. We are seeing quite a few people, I think, in the Asia Pacific region, really signing up for stuff and then maybe doing it on demand, really, because their time zone, you know, we're 10 hours apart often or eight hours apart in the UK, even more for you guys in the US. So it's it's important, I think, to have that on demand functionality so people can go back and review in their own time. However, I truly personally don't always do that because the moment has passed. Um, I'm not very good at going back in and finding dedicated time to review a conference that I attended, you know, two weeks ago, because something else has come up. I'm busy then. So I'm not sure. Like, what what are you finding with On Demand? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was a good segue because um, what I've really learned beyond anything else is that it's options, options, options. Give people all of the options. Yeah. Like, let them watch live virtually, but then let them watch the taped version whenever they want within a certain amount of time after, right? Um, yeah. They want those options. They want to be able to pop in maybe not engage, but they also want those engagement options. So it's really, and you, it's not a one size fits all situation when it comes to virtual. That's for sure. Oh my God. Yes. It's not. Relationships are not one size fits all, <laughs> neither are virtual events. I love how we keep tying back. This is the thing. This is what it's going to be now. Um, I'm desperately trying to think of other relationship things I can say um (laughs) leave it leave it with me we'll see what I can say by the end of this episode um but yeah exactly you've got to understand your audience and you need to know their needs which is why I'm always talking about strategy and I think having a real strong event strategy is absolutely paramount when you are delivering an event online or offline but so many people I think maybe panicked and said, oh no, we've got to do our event online. We need to just turn it into a a virtual conference without thinking, without talking to their attendees, without revisiting their strategic event goals or even their overall business goals and corporate strategy. Right. We need to have a why. We need to have a real tangible why. Otherwise we're not gonna believe in it. Our delegates aren't going to believe in it and they might not even show up or buy a ticket which yeah is another thing in itself you know getting people to see the value in virtual events that's so right well i think last year was a tester year for everybody and um for attend audiences attendees for us that are yeah you know putting on events we just kind of had to shift really quickly and, and do what we could and now we can be now 2021 is like the year of being strategic and thinking it through and tying it back to business goals really thinking about that engagement engagement strategies um another thing that i've noticed is that gamification is is really big when it comes to it attendee engagement. Um, so, you know, if you're, you have a way to gamify the experience and it's really edutainment and not just, you know, entertainment or education, you know, either, or you really have to tie them together to make it compelling for people to attend because they have so many options. 
Yeah, I love that. And gamification, I mean, it doesn't need to be just fun events, right? You can gamify elements of any kind of conference or any kind of virtual event at all, can't you? Yeah, exactly. It's just how you position it for your audience and how you, you know, how you get them to to take that next step in the relationship with you and engage in that way and, you know, get them to make moves. It shouldn't just be you making the first move as an event organizer. As, as in a relationship as well. <laughs> as in a relationship. That is reference number six, seven, eight. I don't know. Here we are. We're here all night. Um, let's talk a little bit about our experiences on the other side. Have you attended any virtual events which you have thought, wow, like I am impressed by this? I'd love to hear. Well, it, you know, I'm not a fair judge of things because I'm not impressed by much. So let me just, okay. you know, let me like preface All it by that. All ones that you hated. Um, if you hated them too, that's important. Yeah, there have been plenty that I've hated. You know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad attendee because my full-time organization has a really, really strict VPN situation going on yeah. where I just can't turn it off. So I struggle with joining a lot of these platforms to begin with. Um, so I'm a, I'm a terrible audience member. I like things that are easy. I think I like things where there, there is that edutainment, um, component or maybe where I can gain points or earn points. I like to be able to, because I'm missing the live networking component, I want to be able to talk to other attendees. And mm -hmm. I attended a conference recently online for several days where I couldn't talk to my fellow attendees. And I, I mean, I could send them an email message, but yeah, I can do that anytime. Yeah. There was nothing within the platform where I could chat with them and it drove me crazy. Yeah, I think I was at that too. And I think I felt the same. <laughs> um, and it was a good, it was a good conference as it happened. The content was great and stuff, but yeah, that's what we need because that's what we're craving mm -hmm. and we need that connection. And yeah, I mean, I, my must haves for a virtual conference are, you know, our breaks because I have a life outside of that virtual conference that I'm attending. So I need to be able to like get coffee and maybe check my emails or do some calls in breaks. That's really important too. Um, but just, I think an event that actually really stood out for me, which I would commend back last April was Rachel Hollis's Rise Live event, which I attended with some friends. And it was so good. Like it captured my attention all day. And I think part of the reason is because we, a lot of us were event professionals that attended and we created like a little mini micro community. So we had a WhatsApp group happening. Like we all met up for brunch before virtually via Zoom. And then we shared our thoughts afterwards with a glass of Prosecco at the end of the day so it's fun to experience that together so I think like that's an opportunity if you you know if you don't have those capabilities within your platform how are you going to be that connector and create those opportunities for people because you might be able to do it almost offline and away from the platform by suggesting they have you know a LinkedIn group a Facebook group a WhatsApp group a Slack board anything like that there are there are opportunities there so that was something that that I loved and the speakers were great it was all on kind of leadership and personal development which um, we all know runs through my veins because I don't shut up about it. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot harder for event professionals this year. Like if it wasn't hard enough, like, sorry to be a, I'm not being a Debbie Downer, but um, I'm going to be realistic about it. The yeah. more I'm experiencing, like the greater, the bigger, the better, the greater I want it to be. 
Um, I just did a virtual event the other day with a famous chef and we shipped everybody, you know, the box of ingredients and the famous chef was on, chef was on engaging with everyone, but that's been done. And now I have to Mm -hmm. find the bigger, the better, the greater, like somehow I have to top that. And I'm like, wow. And I'm thinking as an attendee, you know, I do have a ton of virtual events that I can attend, but I want to attend the ones that really jazz me up like the one you just spoke about. Yes. Yes. And something that is an experience, not just a passive watching and listening in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there are times when that's yeah. appropriate. Like there are times when I don't want to engage, when I just mm-hmm. want to watch the content and I need to do it on my own time and I need to pause and everything else. But I, I want those engagement opportunities too. So again, options, options, options. Yep. 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 Know your audience, ask them questions and don't be afraid to ask them before, before the fact, you know, what would you like to see? What would you not like to see? Because you've got to get their buy-in because they need to show up on the day. I'm shaking my head. Yes. Because I don't understand why we don't start with the survey. You know, we do, we do a business plan and a, you know, a market research for just about everything else. And this is the perfect time for you to reach out to your attendees and figure out what they actually want. It's not a guessing Mm -hmm. game. You don't have to guess. You don't have to, you know, pull it out of thin air. Um, Don't reinvent the wheel. Just figure out what they want and give it to them. Yeah, exactly. I ran some global focus groups with some of our key event advocates last year. And it was so interesting because we just sat on a call and chatted and heard what they love, heard what they don't love. And then that's really helped us shape the future of our virtual events. So don't be afraid to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Before we get to the end of the session, we are both speakers. So we speak at a lot of industry events, other events online and offline, but have you got any takeaways from like what it's like to speak at events? Um, You know, anything that do you like speaking online? Do you hate it? What are your thoughts? (laughs) So a little known fact about me, um, I'm an introvert and I actually don't like speaking in person. And I really never did before. I I tried to avoid it at all costs before COVID. So virtual has been a blessing for me. I speak all of the time now. Mm. I love speaking virtually. I love pre-recording. I love talking. I just don't love talking on a stage to people. (laughs) I am. If you listen to last week's episode, number five with Courtney Stanley, I am the exact opposite of her. I'm a writer. So my, my forte is writing. I love writing. Great. I, I don't love speaking. I have learned to love speaking this year. I love virtual. If there's a, you know, it just gives, I give myself so much more grace. I think people are giving the technology a little bit more grace. They know it's not going to be perfect. So I feel right at home. Um, you know, as a speaker, I have, I feel like every time I speak, it's a different platform. It's never just mm-hmm. a zoom or a blue jeans or, um, streamcast or like any of those. It's, it's all of those. So I've had to adapt really quickly. Um, I don't mind that there's not an audience. It helps some, it helps me. So if you are thinking about getting into speaking, like this is like speaking light, it's a great time to get into yeah. speaking <laughs> in my opinion. But you know, you, Julia, you're, a, you are a professional speaker like Courtney, like what, how do you feel about it? Oh, see, I love the stage. <laughs> right. I am an, I knew that. I'm an extrovert. I knew that. 
yeah i'm an extrovert through and through and i my background which maybe i've shared this maybe i haven't is in performing arts so i studied um performance i taught over in america i used to teach um singing and dancing at summer camps in the states and um, used to perform a little bit myself so i think speaking for me has been like the next level of that for me and i don't perform at all anymore but speaking's been like my vehicle to get up there in front of an audience and I truly love it and I think there's no better feeling in my eyes than stepping onto a stage in like a power suit and heels and talking about something that I love Um, like yeah it's still scary but that's part of the fun I think Um, I'd say I I haven't hated speaking virtually I've enjoyed it too you know I've got the ring light I've got the microphone Um, but it's it's different it's really different and i've had some incredible opportunities to speak in front of many different crowds and some large audiences some small audiences um and i prefer to do it live so if you give me the option i know pre-recorded is great that's something i probably should have mentioned as a lesson and i'm always getting my speakers at events to pre-record but for me I just don't know. I like to be in the moment and I'm quite an energetic speaker once I get going. So I need to have that energy. I need to know people are there and, and bouncing, you know, ideas and thoughts to them. I get it. So that's so my take on it. I have, I have a great tip for people that speak virtually though, having watched mm-hmm. and done it myself, do not read from a piece oh, of no. paper. Do not read from your screen. I can't tell you how many presentations I've watched recently where people are reading and I'm like, just give the presentation like you're live, please, please. It's so hard. It's like the people that put everything into um, bullet points on their PowerPoint and you have to read it along with them. It is, it's so bad. So if I, if I, if there are any takeaways or tips that I could give people that want to want to speak or train their speakers, it's speak from the heart, speak live. Don't, Don't tell them not to read it, please. For all of our sakes. Amen. Amen. And it might be a bit controversial, but I was actually having a conversation with another event professional this morning about this, about how suddenly everyone's a speaker. I am all for this. I am all for empowering people. Everyone has a voice. Go out there and use it. But if you are a speaker and you are saying to people, I'm a professional speaker, I'm a public speaker, hire me, know your shit, like know your power topic. Because if you are truly a great speaker and you have expertise in an area, you should not need a script. Right. And, or write a script and learn it. Learn it before you have to rehearse just because it's virtual. Like just don't have a piece of paper, like sellotape to the wall behind your laptop. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so right. And you're right that the market has become saturated with, mm-hmm. with um, and I'm doing air quotes, speakers. And yeah. you just really have to do some extra vetting these days, I think, because not all speakers are created equal. No, they're not. They're not. And I ideally love um, giving people an opportunity. And that's something that I often do myself. But I think just, yeah, just get confident and truly know, like I will always turn down speaking opportunities if they're not like my power topics and stuff that I love and I believe in because someone else could do it better than me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I love that. Cool. I think we've covered a lot in this episode. We've covered a lot of virtual hints, tips, lessons, learnings, knows. Yeah. For two people. Relationship that... analogy. <laughs> right. For two people that don't love virtual, we've we've kind of, yeah, I think we've done a good job. 
I think we have too. And the biggest achievement of all is we have not said the P word. <gasps> we have didn't. not said the P word. We if anyone's listening it. to this and they're like, what is she talking about? <sighs> What's the P word? Like just Google, Google like blank to virtual. Yes. Let's not hear that anymore. Yeah. Okay, so as we always say, please continue the conversation. Do follow us on Instagram at like an event boss or hashtag like an event boss. We would love to hear from you and please share your stories as well uh, with virtual, with anything events. Like we're here for you. This is an extended community. You are here with us. So thank you for being here. And we always close out every episode with something inspirational or some thoughts quotes to to inspire you and to get you feeling like an event boss so I will hand over to my fabulous co-host to close out the show thank you thank you I like this part of our segment a lot um it's it's wrapping it up in a nice little bow um this one's going to be short today um as a virtual speaker I speak a lot on energy and capacity so it is a lesson on energy and capacity. You can't say yes to everything. And you have to remember that. You have to also give yourself some grace during these crazy times. So give your energy intentionally. It can save you. It can revive you. Um, Just remember that you have a finite amount of energy and you need to to give it to things that you love and the the very important things in your life so that you can keep your cup full. Um, And yeah, that wasn't perfect, but that was it. So thanks everyone for attending or listening, not attending because that's, that's what we do in virtual for listening in to podcast number six for us. We can't wait to see you next week on like an event boss. See you soon. Bye.